the understanding that I'm developing for myself and for others, the I thou of sport, is is absolutely I, I I couldn't think of my life without it. It's it's changed the way I am with my family, the way I in, you know interact with my wife, my children, my children in particular. Some of the conversations I have with them now, they you know my eldest son is 11 going on, you know, very preteen. And he's he's in that hormonal preteen stage where his experiences are, are very difficult for him. He he's struggling. He's coming home and he's having these emotional meltdowns. For uh, I don't know what, but spore and the way, particularly the IQ methodology, has taught me ways to listen and pick up on those intelligent cues in what he's saying. It's not just speaking, you know, dad speaking to his son from the front of the car to the back of the car on the way home from school anymore. He can speak, I can listen. I give him that opportunity to speak. I pick up on those cues and go, well, can you tell me more about that, mate? You know, and, and those opportunities are something that prior to commencing sport are something that would have I would have missed. I absolutely, 100% would have missed. And these are opportunities with my son that I would never have the opportunity to get back again. I'd, I'd never be able to help him. Hello and welcome to another episode of Embracing Differences with me, Nipin Anand. Embracing Differences is a podcast series aimed at understanding different perspectives about risk management. Often, different ways of looking at risk and risk management, whether it's human factors, engineering, systems thinking, safety management, anthropology, religion, mythology, psychology, sociology, humanities, business studies, you name it. They will all lead to different understanding about risk. The engineering world is contented that we should work towards designing fail-safe systems. But for someone with a business hat on, this would mean a cost. To a system thinker, in every fail-safe design, we are only transferring the risk from one part of the system to another or even from one form of risk to another. So you may be able to reduce physical harm by introducing a physical barrier, but you may end up with emotional or psychological harm to people because they become risk averse. So what is the best choice to make? The starting point is to stop criticizing and start appreciating different pathways to managing risk and then picking up the one that suits your needs. It's the appreciation of different viewpoints that is central to the idea of embracing differences. I must admit, it's a hard thing to understand. Very hard indeed. And precisely the purpose of this podcast. So, the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podbean, Google Podcast and Anchor. And I'm the host of this podcast and the founder of Novellus Nepananan. At Novellus, we are all about understanding and improving organizational culture within the framework of language. We call it social psychology of risk, which means what does our language tell us about the quality of our decisions and the culture of our organization. So that's really where we are mostly interested. How can we improve our culture and make reflective decision habit? That's the question we want to ask. Uh, now, some people call it safety culture. I like to use the word organizational culture because it is a lot more holistic in nature. I want you to also check out our IQ method, which is a conversational way 
of sense making and learning from events the details of iq method are available on our website novelas.solutions we also do taster sessions every fortnight to bring people from different parts of the world together it's an hourly session which tends to be a lot informal and fun i would invite you to attend one of those sessions if you want to know more about our iq method now here's a couple of special announcement to make before we start talking about the podcast today which is the next iq coaching series starts on the 26th of january it's a 9 weeks program where we meet on an hourly basis every week as a small group of about 6 to 8 people if you would like to book to this course or want to know more about it please get in touch the next iq workshop in person is scheduled in london on the 23rd and 24th of february we have already filled half of the spaces so if you would like to book now is the time details are again on novelas.solutions/events Now let's talk about today's podcast. This podcast is the personal journey of Travis Stephens, an electrician and a scaffolder by trade who embarked on a journey to explore what social psychology of risk is all about. In this podcast we will explore the inner transformation within Travis as a result of his learning journey. What did he experience and how has it changed him as a person? I put that quote at the beginning to show how change is felt, how it is lived and what it means. Change often starts at individual level. Change does not see the boundary between what you do at a personal level and how you relate with others in your profession. And this is certainly not the first time I'm hearing this. Of course, we will hear more about this and other things as we listen to Travis's personal journey into learning. You will hear the term spore in this podcast quite a lot. Let me just unpack that jargon for you. It actually means social psychology of risk, which is how we as human beings make decisions under social influence. I hope you enjoy this podcast and it gives you some inspiration and flavor for learning. Travis, uh, thank you for joining. Um this i think the starting point would be just to say yeah maybe a light introduction travis you know who you are um yeah yeah so i'm currently um working as a safety quality manager by title obviously the the role in reality extends a little bit beyond that working for a crane company in in perth in western australia um we we specialize in more high risk construction works than actual crane hire we we specialize in mostly precast concrete installation work my 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 background in safety isn't the the typical academic background i commenced my career after leaving school after finishing year 10 and started my apprenticeship as an electrician completed that and I, I worked in that field for quite a number of years i i found myself not challenged enough and wanted to reach out and i i, I tried a few things i've i've worked as a plant operator I, i've um i've worked in rigging i've worked as a scaffolder and i i did find the challenges within those high risk trades quite interesting and um certainly the people you work with that the teamwork became so much more important 
Um, so, you know, from, from electrical through to the, the other known high-risk license type trades, as they'd be known in, in uh, Australia. Um, yeah, so I, I had an injury about 15 years ago where I fractured my lower spine and uh, could be treated, but it, it would limit me permanently, some of the treatment options. So my employer at the time was actually able and, and helped me uh, into retraining into a new field. And because of my background as a nominated safety rep and um, very, you know, direct team member with the people in the field, actually started my certificate in safety and, and have been working in that field predominantly ever since. Um, geez, I say I'm a lot too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think as, as far as the social psychology of risk is concerned, uh, I found there wasn't, there was a, there was a disconnect for me between the company's values, my values and the way safety is known to be done or enacted or, you know, safety as an embodied thing that you do on site where I, I, I felt a very major disconnect with that myself. And I was reading, um, the safety risk blogs for quite some time and particularly the works of, of Robert Long and it connected to me. And I felt, you know, here's the bloke that I, he knows what's going on here. There's, he's, he's talking about that bit that I'm missing, but, you know, what he uses a lot of big words. I don't really know what he's on about. And, yeah, I, I started training with the Centre uh, for Leadership and Learning and Risk about two years ago. So I'm, I'm quite, quite new to the journey myself. But... Since since commencing, I've found ways that it comes to me now that the disconnect I felt was very much a real thing, and I'm I'm learning now how to understand what that disconnect actually means, where it stems from. I think the only thing when you when you start sport, it's very challenging to begin with, but and, and certainly I've seen it worse for some than others. I've, I've conducted some of these sessions and um, the workshops. I've, I'm finding myself going back to the same one and taking something away from it every time. It's the, the, the communications, the feedback from others and the conversations and, and hearing all those different perspectives every single time I take something more away from it. I know for myself, it's a challenge and that's one of those things in life I've always been chasing and that's amazing for me, something I really enjoy. Every time, you know, for every comment that Rob makes, he'll, he'll throw out five different uh, opportunities for more learning with every one of those comments. Here's a, here's a reading, read more about this, here's something else. And I know a lot of people could 
and I know a lot of people do. I've seen comments on LinkedIn and so forth where it becomes quite toxic and, oh, it's all academic, it's all academic, it's all academic. And I find myself, the more I learn, the more I'm able to articulate. And yes, it's toxic and yes, it's academic uh, to, to a great extent, but a lot of the journey is actually felt and experienced, which is for any person that's got children, that's the way they try to teach their children. Let's go out, let's go play. Let's, let's be involved in the world. And those sorts of things, that sort of experiences are the only way to learn. It's very much encouraged by the philosophy of sport. The, the underlying philosophy of sport is very heavily experiential. So for anyone that actually wanted to undertake the journey, it doesn't need to be academic. If you want to, and you want to reach out for more, you can, but you don't need to. It's not a necessity. You need to be with these people. You need to experience those moments. And what you take away from them is what you're open to. But I think I've, the, the journey for me isn't just about my role. It's not about my work. It's about me. And the understanding that I'm developing for myself and for others, the I, thou of sport is, is absolutely, I, I, I couldn't think of my life without it. It's, it's changed the way I am with my family, the way I, in, you know, interact with my wife, my children, my children in particular, some of the conversations I have with them now, they, you know, my eldest son is 11 going on, you know, very preteen and he's, he's in that hormonal preteen stage where his experiences are, are very difficult for him. He, he's struggling, he's coming home and he's having these emotional meltdowns for I don't know what, but SPORE and the way, particularly the IQ methodology has taught me ways to listen and pick up on those intelligent cues in what he's saying. It's not just speaking, you know, dad speaking to his son from the front of the car to the back of the car on the way home from school anymore. He can speak. I can listen. I give him that opportunity to speak. I pick up on those cues and go, well, can you tell me more about that, mate? You know, and, and those opportunities are something that prior to commencing sport are something that would have, I would have missed. I absolutely, 100% would have missed. And these are opportunities with my son that I would never have the opportunity to get back again. I'd, I'd never be able to help him <clears throat> and never help him through some of the moments that I'm now helping him with, you know, moments of bullying and, and difficulties at school had a bad day, simple, simple little things. Um, and Spore has provided me the tools to do that. And obviously in the workplace, it's, it's a deliverance. It's an awakening. You look like you're thinking. I, um, I don't even know what to say. Um, I just want to listen to you. I, I just feel that you're talking what I'm experiencing right now. You're talking precisely what I'm going through. And it's so good to see somebody on the other side. You know, I, I, I see so much resonance here. Do you know, um, Travis, yeah, I mean, 
I don't even know what question to ask because you have given me so much in the last few minutes. Just just out it came all. Um, I just wanted to, you know, you, you, you talked a few times as we started in the beginning and you said you did not feel challenged enough in your previous life, which is before sport. You also said that um, um, it was, yeah, so it, it all, you know, uh, so now when you start to, you know, because reflection is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Now, if you look back yeah. at your past <clears throat> life now, and you, you mentioned, you use the word disconnect a couple of times. I would like to hear a little bit more about that side, where you see the disconnect when you look back and where you thought it was, you were not being challenged. Can you talk a little bit more about that before we come to your personal life, which I think is fascinating also to talk about. <laughs> the, the disconnect for me was what I would consider now to be largely philosophical. Um, the, my, I'm quite an existential person. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, the, the, the disconnect is, is largely, largely philosophical. You trying to think of how to put this in sort of like a, a common, a moment that would probably be appreciated by, by anyone that's worked on a construction site is you go on. Before you get to the job, you sit down, you do all the inductions, the paperwork, and it's all a matter of process. You've got these generic safe work method statements, you know, for myself and for my team, we have to have those by law. Not a problem. We can achieve that by law. But in my prior life, these were, here's a generic standard piece of paper written by someone that hadn't seen the job, it was written from an office. And you get this piece of paper and you go and that's this person in an office that hasn't even seen the job that you're working on or in a lot of cases even undertaken the same work. They don't know the nuances exactly of what goes on. But they're writing this essay. So, you know, some of these things are 20 plus pages long and that's not uncommon. People in that role aren't interested in reading. A lot of people in the construction industry have literacy issues, for example, but the majority are just good with their hands. They, they want to work. They don't go to work to read. So these documents, the way they were being presented, create a very major disconnect. I, I assist the, the administration of these in my company now. <clears throat> and I know, and I'm very conscious of that, I go to, I'd never put my name to a safe work method statement if I haven't been to the job, if I haven't done the job, if I haven't done the job myself and I haven't been to visit, I get in one of our team members who has. I get them in anyway. That's the way it needs to be done. The people involved need to be involved. It's the way the legislation works or is intended. And for any fluff, anyone with these accreditations and these pieces of paper that say, we are a wonderful safety system. If they were actually audited truly to the requirements of those things, they'd be in for a rude awakening. The, the way the documentation is presented, so much involvement. Put a picture in it. 
you can say so much with that, that picture. You know, I'll take a snippet of some details of how to connect a precast panel to a precast panel. Here's the corner bracket detail. Here's the bolts you use. That's the actual information they need to do the work safely. The crane operator that's been pulling those levers for 20 years doesn't need that safe work method statement to tell him how to operate the crane. He knows, he's done that, he feels that. And what he intuitively does without thinking on a daily basis, all day, every day, that paper changes nothing to that man or woman, whoever it may be. Changes absolutely nothing. And, and the riggers that go along, the same. They know if I run that chain around here, I've got the right sling length, I've got all my angles right, I know that, and if I do it here and here, it's going to lift up level. Most of the time, they're pretty close to being on the money. If they're not, they put it down, adjust it. Again, these aren't things that are necessarily documented, but they're the reality of how the work is being done safely. It's intuitive. That's, you know, one of the best things we do with our crew these days, we get a new worker, regardless of their experience, not concerned about how many years they've been rigging for. We assume they're new to the industry. We put them out there with a team of people that have worked together. They've got that collective coherence. They've they understand the work, they understand how it needs to be done, they know how our customers want it done, and they go about the work. And the new person, just through experiencing the work with those people, you know, they, they have an opportunity to attain that tacit knowledge and gain the same intuitions. And again, that shared experience, that collective coherence takes the whole team to the next level. It's, it's not something that's appreciated, it's not something that's acknowledged because it's not on paper. It can't be achieved with that paperwork at the start of the job. But so often, yeah, so often we'll, we'll attend a, a project. Before we get through the door, our office would have had countless emails, document preparation, sending it back and forth. The amount of times I get told, oh no, you need to put this in your swims. No, by law, I need to make that safe work method statement understandable to the people that, that are using it. I can put as much as you want in it, but the more you tell me how to change the way that my team understands it and the way that the way we present our information to our team, the more you tell me to change that, the less they understand it. You are now taking ownership of it. I want to make sure my team, so I, I can come across perhaps as argumentative, but it's not the case. I actually value our team. I value their understanding and I will refuse and argue to do something that I find trivial for the sake of paperwork if it doesn't actually contribute anything to my team's safety. Precast panels kill people. It's quite that simple. Cranes kill people, falling objects, etc., etc. Everything we do, I don't, I can't play the traffic light game. I can't do use this the risk matrix, you know, no matter how subjective you are, if the final outcome and whichever risk matrix you use, if the final outcome is going to be a fatality or potentially a fatality, I can't turn it green. The best I can do is make sure it's understood by the people involved. As many documented battles that you have, it's not going to achieve it. And that, 
that the focus on the documentation, the battles of trivial rules on site, you know, people getting kicked off site for smoking in a not, they're not in the designated area. No, but they're in, they're in the middle of a road. Why would you kick that person off the site? Why, why penalize them? Why brutalize them for breaking a rule when there is no risk? There is no risk to other than their own, you know, their own lungs. That's their choice. That's a choice people make. People choose risk all the time. I choose risk when I jump in the car and go to work in the morning, but I do it every day and I do it without thinking and I do it with, strangely enough without a piece of paper to tell me how to get to work and drive a car. But that vehicle can kill me. I could kill myself. I could kill others. Without that piece of paper, I can still do it. And, you know, speaking of the intuitive perception, one of the ways we, we discuss the, the one brain, three minds to, to our team is you know, the, the slow, medium and fast brain speeds. We talk about the learner driver, the person that's new to the new to a vehicle, not really sure what they're doing. They're learning that they're, they're learning the actions. They're learning the rules. They're, they're, they're learning so much. They're slow. They're slow, rational brain. Like any learning, it takes time. They develop those habits. They gain more experience and you know, they, they get their P plates. They get a couple of years under their belt, you know, a manual car, clutch accelerator movements, when to brake, when to slow down. When you see the lights or the intersection ahead, you see other cars on the road, you start to notice them more, you slow down and you're, you're into that heuristic sort of perspective. And then like me, I've been driving for years. I get in my car at the morning and I can remember getting in it and I remember getting out of it, but I get to work and don't remember any decision I made on that journey. And when, when you've got that same crane operator who's been flicking the levers for 20 years, he isn't thinking he's at work. He's, he got in the crane, he drove it to his job and he's doing his thing and he'll remember picking up the load and he'll remember putting it down. He won't remember how he got it there and no amount of paperwork is going to change that. And this is where, where Spore actually takes on a different enlightenment. It accepts that. It accepts that, that, that thought process as, as existent, which typical safety processes don't. And that's, that is where the disconnect lies is denying humans as being human. They're not robots. STEM certainly has a place and Spore accepts that, but as a supplement to what is actually happening, when you, when you look at a traditional orthodox safety system through the lens of Spore, there's nothing in there that says that's broken. It's no, it, there's no value in that. There's no value. Yep. Yeah. It was just up throwing out all these pages. There's nothing in there that does that. But what it does do is actually look through, look at it through a critical lens. You can look at those same documents and go, well, what is the value of this? What's the efficacy of this particular process? Well, you know what? It doesn't actually contribute any value, but here we are spending countless hours managing the process. All right. Well, can we improve the process? Can we improve the way we do this? Let's give that a go. You know, if you, you know what? 
it's not actually in the long run going to to do anything. The trade-offs aren't of any great benefit either, or they're you know, con considerably worse. Toss it. And that's, that's all Spore's doing. It's not saying to throw everything out. It's just to look at it with a critical eye. If it doesn't actually help people, if it doesn't help you care for your team, the people, you know, care for your clients, care for anyone, the environment. If it doesn't help, get rid of it. It's quite that simple. But what it does do in the, the counter to that is it does provide you tools that when you do go, you know what, that doesn't work, I'm going to throw it out. It gives you a counter tool that you can use to actually achieve the goal of helping and caring. The, the process of SPORE is very much uh, inherently continuous learning. It's continuous improvement. Any quality system in the world should take away from SPORE. And, and I'll use the word quality very intentionally because if you read a lot of the feedback and um, social media platforms, your, your LinkedIn's and so forth. It's very much spore is anti-safety or spore safety, spore safety, always associated. It's not about safety, it's about risk. Those quality processes, those business decisions, they're all part of it. You know, the, the, the competing values framework is, is an amazing business tool. It's not about safety. It's, it's not about quality. It's about business. It's a holistic approach. And that's what Spore delivers. It takes so many valuable aspects, so much, so much knowledge. And, you know, something like the competing values framework, you can sit there and, and learn the simple processes that, you know, Spore can can deliver and it's you know rob has included aspects of it in so many of his books but at the same time it's a pathway go and read cameron and quinn go and read that one we're opening the door we'll touch on that for you if you want to learn more go and learn more and that's where the the academic aspect is you can go and experience these workshops and I know you deliver these workshops yourself, Nippon. So giving those people the opportunity to come and actually be in the room, share experiences, share stories. It's, it's amazing. There's nothing like it. But then if you walk out of that room and go, I want to learn more. Okay, here you go. Here's all the, here's all the references that were considered when, when this book was written. Here are some of the references that we read that, that, you know, brought us to this opinion. We formed our opinions with this information by these people. Here it is. You know, th this is information freely available in, in most cases as well. Almost all of the spore body of knowledge is freely available. Most of the books that are, are in that library are free. It doesn't, it, you download it, you read it. It's very simple. It doesn't cost you anything other than your time or your interest. If it doesn't pique your interest, that's fine. Don't read it, read something else. But there's so many different pathways. I think 
the one thing that that information being freely available doesn't have that is of benefit, and I know certainly a benefit to me, is a direct link to the other people that are on the same learning journey and certainly the, the mentors that are available. Any person that I've spoken to and I'll make a phone call go, hey, really sorry, I saw your, your name in that email thread and grabbed your number off your email signature. Hey, just wanted to talk to you about sport, about this particular item. Looks like you know a little bit about it if you've experienced it. Oh, yeah, no worries. Every single person I've spoken to has taken the time to have that call and they will give you as much time as they want. They understand I was there. I, I was on a journey just like you and I wasn't too sure about that either or, you know, or this or that, whatever it may be. What everyone adopts and takes in from that, it varies to their own knowledge, their own experiences, what's relevant to them at the time. I know I've read so many things twice. I read it, worked through it the first time and went, this is rubbish, what a waste of time, in one ear, out the other. But you know what, that's cool. Later on, you know what, I remember I've, I've heard, oh, this rings a bell, oh, there's something, there's something in the back of my mind now. I go away, read it again, and I approach it through a different lens, a different understanding and go, wow, now I get it. Two feet first, jump in that hole and, and start learning about it. You hit that roadblock, one phone call to any of the people that, that study Winspore, any single one of these people will help you. They will take the time. It's just a matter of reaching out. <sighs> Sorry, I'm going to need a drink. <laughs> Amazing, absolutely amazing. Thank you. Um, um, I, I, um, how would you summarize sport in a few words? In a very few words. Life. Spore is life. It. it <laughs> It's, it's, no, it's not life, it's living. Spore, spore is, is living. It's being. It's, it's learning. It's a journey. Travis, this has been such a wonderful conversation. It will stay with me forever. What did you think? For me, some of the key takeaways from this podcast were social psychology of risk sounds challenging because it challenges our thinking. And all learning is uncovering what we do not know. Nothing changes until there is change within. And when this change is felt, you take it everywhere with you. It's not just about work, it's how you relate to the world around you. Your friends can feel it, your family can see it, and eventually you become convinced that change has come to you. And that is precisely the example that Travis gave about how his, his, his interaction with his family, with his children has changed so much. The other thing I find interesting is that the emphasis of all learning is on practice and doing. We are not designed to think and reflect. We are designed to, to action. We are an action-oriented species. So social psychology of risk actually gives you the practical tools 
not just to think differently but to do things differently we are also talking about and dealing with experienced professionals at work people who have been doing things in a certain way for many many years these are crane operators ship captains doctors nurses pilots surgeons plumbers electricians and so on what are we going to achieve from strengthening our processes and systems when most of the decisions are made from their unconscious mind we really have to listen or we have to cultivate the habit of listening to the unconscious mind of people if we want to understand how they make decisions and if we ignore the unconscious mind the automatic mind the habits the experiential nature of being a human we are stuck with the same vocabulary and the same mindset which is an accident happens because somebody was not following the processes somebody was being complacent being lazy so it's their fault they should pay more attention to it or maybe we should tweak the procedures and the systems and guess what we are doing then we're just tightening processes and systems nothing changes at the level of the individual absolutely nothing i leave you with those thoughts Do you have any questions, any feedback, any comments, any criticism? You can always write to us. You can write to me personally at support@novellas.solutions. You can also leave a message for us on our website novellas.solutions. You can email me personally at nepen.anand@novellas.solutions and you can find me on LinkedIn. Until then, have a good day.